Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to be taking a look at Mars retrograde moving into a trine with Saturn in Aquarius. To me, this represents a kind of turning point in the journey of Saturn in particular. So after I talk about why I think this is an important aspect between these two planets and why it represents this critical turning point, we are then going to take a look at Saturn through all of the whole sign houses uh, through through the rising sign horoscopes and give you a sense of uh, what you can expect from this turning point right now. Um, so the, the, the short version of it is that this trine uh, coincides with a turning point in the synodic cycle between Mars and Saturn, which we will explore. And this turning point is really sort of the beginning of the end of Saturn's stay in Aquarius. So we're going to talk about what happens when you're ready to be done with Saturn, <laughs> how you can notice when you're like at the end of a Saturn transit, and um, what you can look forward to when Saturn is finishing its business in the whole sign house of your birth chart that it's in right now. So that is our agenda for today. Before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe. Share a few comments in the comment section. It really helps the channel to grow. We really appreciate your support. Um, right now, we are closing in on 200 backers for our annual Kickstarter campaign. We are trying to get to 1,608 by the new year. Um, that is just a, a target that we put out to try and beat our backer total from last year. Um, and so we really appreciate your support. If you're able to uh, donate, you can choose a reward when you donate. We have um, exclusive talks and readings for the year ahead. Um, and also um, all of my online programs are over 50% off through the Kickstarter. That is the only time of year you'll find them that cheap. So take advantage of it. If you, if you bundle them together too, like year one and year two or year two and horary or something like that, you can uh, bundle any of them together as credits, use those whenever you want, 2023 or beyond. And when you bundle them, you'll save even more than 50% off. So it's a really good deal. And it's part of how I try to give something back to people in exchange for helping us support our channel and the team of people who um, make all of this possible uh, that are on my staff. So <clears throat> really appreciate your support. I want to tell you just a little bit about what goes into this. You can find the link, by the way, to the Kickstarter in the comment section of this video or in the description of this video. And you click on it, it'll take you over there and you can donate if you are able to. Um, every morning, it's the same process for me. It has been for nine years. I get up, I meditate, pray. Right now, I've kind of shifted from mantra meditation into uh, something called centering prayer. And during that time of prayer, and then often reading and researching and preparing my notes, I try to, th that ritual is so important for me. Like if you like my content, know that it really comes from that. It comes from, you know, I don't just sit down and spew out whatever's on my mind. I sit down every day really intentionally to try to center myself and create something that reflects honesty, sincerity, integrity, and a, and a, a sort of spiritual foundation. Um, after that's all done and I write my talk and record it, and then it is sent off to a team of people who then polish it up and um, post the transcript and get everything all ready. And then we distribute it throughout, you know, a variety of different mediums, podcast mediums, YouTube, you know, all the social media outlets or whatever. Uh, and then we get lots of emails coming in and comments coming in. And a lot of time is taken then, you know, trying to respond to people, point people in the right direction if they have questions about something. So it is um, really, there's a whole team of us now behind this daily production of this content. We are absolutely reliant on people who say, I get something really good out of this. This is spiritually valuable to me. It gives me insight. It, you know, it helps me along. It makes me laugh. It, it helps me 
learn astrology, whatever the case might be, that we rely on those of you out there from the goodness of your heart to pitch in and support us, support me, my family, my team of my staff members. Uh, we really can't do it without you guys. Um, so I wanted to just say that as sincerely as I can and kind of explain what goes into it so that you guys know. There's a lot of people who are new to this channel. Maybe it's the first time that you've seen you know, a Kickstarter. This is my ninth year doing it. During this time, I also go into meditation. This is a time for me to start praying about how I can be a better astrologer for the next year. How can I get a little bit better? How can I be of more service? How can I shift what I'm doing or tweak what I'm doing? Um, in order to be of maximal value to all of you and also to the larger astrological community, which is why our big goal for the next year when you support the Kickstarter is to build a donation-based reading clinic so that astrology readings are more accessible for people so that people aren't, um, you know, limited in their ability to get a reading by their income bracket, which right now I think there could be, we could be doing a better job as an astrological industry to create more affordability when it comes to readings. So when you support the Kickstarter, you're also supporting me building that out this year. That's a big goal of ours. So we really do need, you know, all the help we can get to make that possible so I can put a staff in place and get it all set up. And um, hopefully all of you will benefit from that as well so that, you know, you have uh, readings that are, you know, accessible in terms of a price range and really high quality readers that, you know, have come through my program and that, you know, resonate with the kind of astrology you like. Okay. So anyway, thank you so much for letting me tell you a little bit about what we're doing. Um, I hope that you'll, if you're able to, you'll help us uh, pitch in and, and meet our goal. And again, you can find the link to the Kickstarter in the description of this video or in the comments section. You'll see me leave a comment with the link. All right. Well, I'm excited to get into this Saturn transit because I think it really marks a super important turning point uh, for Saturn. Uh, let's take a look at the chart first of all, and I just want to show you what's happening. So this is coming through on Monday, the 28th of November. Um, but I want to look at it in advance because it's applying right now. Mars is moving still, you know, relatively slowly. Excuse me. So it's applying and moving into this trine as the week goes on and early into next week. So I want everyone to just be like aware of that. Um, now, why, why look at this? Why, what's the big deal? Well, this is a trine between Mars and Saturn that has uh, a, a story behind it. Let's go back in time. So the trine between these two planets is happening. Uh, this is a, you know, trines are of the nature of Jupiter. So it means that these two planets are moving into a relationship with one another that is conducive of uh, getting things. It's like, it's going to be helpful for the two of these planets. That's what I'm trying to say to get together. But they did get together recently. Oh, the, the mega circle reappeared. <laughs> there it is. The mega circle. Okay, here we go. So here's Saturn and Mars conjoining around the early part of April in, uh, in Aquarius. Okay, so that was their conjunction. That's the beginning of the synodic cycle between Mars and Saturn. And oftentimes when Mars and Saturn come together, it's a get shit done kind of transit. It's when the two of them seed together, it's like, here's where we have to focus, display effort, discipline. And, and um, it's like, it's crunch time, it's go time, but it's still just a seed that's being planted in their synodic cycle. Well, if we move forward, what's going to happen? Excuse me, here we go. Okay, there we go. So if we're going to move forward in time, 
Then Mars, who moves faster than Saturn, starts separating. So you can see here, Mars is moving through Aries. Now it's moving through Taurus. And the two planets then get into a square with one another. And this is about August 8th. Actually, it would have been Mar August 7th into the 8th. So August, actually, am I wrong about that? Yeah, so August 7th into the 8th. So that's a square between the two. Now the two planets are hitting like a, a critical turning point within their synodic cycle. So if you think about their intention being set in the whole sign house of Aquarius, then there's a square between Aquarius and Taurus and the two of them are grinding up against each other. And in a sense, there's like a, a test or a challenge that's coming through. It would be rooted back in the whole sign house of Aquarius, which is why we're going to be looking at your horoscopes in Aquarius in just a minute. But... If we keep going from there, right after that, then they hit their trine. And the trine was first experienced late September. Okay, so late September, the two planets come into a trine. And you can see that right here. So late September, they come into a trine. But Saturn was retrograde at that time. So we push it forward. Mars turns retrograde in late October. And Saturn turns direct. And now the two planets are going to come back together and they're going to move back through a trine to one another. And they're going to do so on Monday, November 28th. Now, again, why would that be significant? Well, let's just watch what happens between Mars and Saturn next. Mars is going to stay in Gemini for a good long time until the middle of January until it turns direct. And in the meantime, Saturn, what is Saturn going to do? Well, Saturn is going to move into the sign of Pisces, okay? And it moves into Pisces, and then Saturn in direct motion will move into Cancer and Trine, or Mars in direct motion will move into Cancer by late March and Trine Saturn by the beginning of April. So we have a couple of trines here. Uh, the trines are gonna be, you know, generally speaking, within the context of the greater Saturn-Mars cycle, constructive periods where the two planets are working together on something, but they started off in Aquarius. And my point is they're working together right now through Mars's retrograde in Gemini, trining Saturn in Aquarius. Um, but this also marks the end of their work together and something that they are trying to accomplish that started back in the sign of Aquarius. So this is, this is exactly why I have said that I am treating this transit, which comes through next Monday, as a kind of beginning of the end of Saturn's journey through Aquarius. And that is exciting. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like Saturn has been in Saturn-ruled signs for like five years, and Saturn in Aquarius has been a long, slow transit in a Saturn-ruled sign, a fixed sign at that. And so this transit of the, the trine between Mars and Saturn uh, marks a period, like a constructive turning point that is also the beginning of the end of Saturn's journey through um, through Aquarius, especially when you think about Mars and Saturn and the previous synodic conjunction that Mars and Saturn had in Aquarius in early April of 2022. This is why I think it's the beginning of the end of the difficult, the, the heavy or the restrictive elements, which are not the only elements that Saturn brings to bear in our charts, but insofar as Saturn has been acting as a like traditional malefic, heavier, denser, slower, you know, grinding on you, as insofar as it has been doing that, this trine between Mars and Saturn that's coming up next week marks the beginning of the end of the most difficult phase 
of Saturn, at least in the past year, if not all the way back since the beginning of Aquarius. And it's not going to happen all at once. Like it takes Saturn all the way until March 7th to get into Pisces. But the point is next week with those two planets trining one another, it's sort of like the beginning of the end of Saturn's reign in that whole sign house of your birth chart. And so that is how we're going to look at it today. And hopefully that brings you some uplifting news. Like hopefully that's just kind of like a joyous thing to be like, okay, we're finishing a whole period of work that's been going on in this area, but it might be nice to refresh on exactly what that area is and like what you, what you've been dealing with in that area of life. Before we get into the horoscopes and let me just line that up so that I, I let me just line it up so that I'm ready to go on the horoscopes too here. Sorry guys. Okay. And let's get, uh, Okay, there we go. So we're all set for horoscopes in a minute. I want to talk about five themes to watch for, for everyone, and then we'll apply them to each whole sign house by rising sign. So um, and I hope you were able to follow. I know some of the astrology I've been looking at lately have been rooted in synodic cycles. And so I know for some people that might be a little bit hard to follow, but just listen to this next part if you didn't follow the first part, because it should be a little bit easier uh, in, case it, in case the first part was difficult. Um, there are five themes to watch for, but I want to read you a couple of passages from a book called Senex and Puer, which is a collection of essays by James Hillman. Um, it's in a blue book. It's called Senex and Puer, and you could you could find it easily on Amazon, I believe. Uh, so. <clears throat> Now, these are just things that I want to say as prep for talking about what it feels like when Saturn is finishing something and you're kind of like ready to be done with it. So this comes from a uh, chapter, uh, uh, an essay that he wrote called Negative Senex. Senex would be like an old person. It's where we get the word senator from as well. Uh, <laughs> um, but Senex incurability. One way out besides the Saturnalia and its pranks and black humor leading to the recognizing insight into melancholy through melancholy, is abandoning the notion of a way out altogether. This notion is anyway a puer reaction to the Senex whose consciousness prefers the hemlock within the prison walls, the cure of death. Senex images of the hourglass and father time the reaper and the old man with the white beard and the like are not only shorthand emblems for the time process taking place inside or outside of us. They refer to the ancient identity spoken of by Plutarch, for instance, between the Kronos of Hesiod with Kronos time. The emblems state that the archetypal structure is concerned not so much with quantitative amounts of time, nor even with temporal process, time passing, as with time itself as an ontological real. Thus, leisure and sloth are ways of finding time or making time, and the withdrawal from the flux of the world is a way of occupying oneself with the eternal and thereby being occupied or possessed by it. Constancy, grief, lethargy, and solitude do not mean only slowing things down or drawing things out. They are ways of experiencing the Senex essence of Kronos, Kronos, one with the K, one with the C where time is a quality that verges on endlessness, the fidelity of friendship, the return of the seasons, the protracted grief of mourning, without process or alteration of any kind, a state of being where becoming has been crowded to the edge. In this sense, Senex consciousness is particularly temporal, structuring its vision in terms of the chronic. 
It eyes the eternal since that lasts longest, and its judgment is based on truth in terms of durability, not whether it awakens insight, moves the heart, or brings beauty. Beauty itself is defined in terms of unalterable criteria of form or meaning, the eternal verities, whereas the proof of love is not ardor, but constancy. The Yiddish maxim is a Senex maxim, love me little, but love me long. So if things are to last, they will be connected to the Senex archetype. And if a complex endures, it tends towards stabilizing itself, congealing into a usual part of one's psychic establishment, and finally, through sheer intractability, transforming from a burden to hide in to a habit to wear. In Senex consciousness, time is the cure in the sense of tanning, leathering, hardening, weathering through dry air, salt, smoke, or alum. Beautiful passage. Now, I want to, before, I have one more to read, but I want to just share something about that. So over the past few years that you guys have watched my channel, you've probably noticed that, you know, I've had a, a number of um, colds. Um, I've had COVID uh, twice, in fact, uh, worked through every single day, always made videos. And I'm not saying that to brag. It's just um, I didn't have particularly bad cases, I, I don't think. Um, I uh, have had multiple colds because my kids are picking them up, it seems, every month at school, one of the two of them. RSV, COVID, my kids have gotten both of them. Um, so we have been slogging through this period. Now, in my birth chart, Saturn has been opposing my ascendant ruler, ruler of my health house. Uh, it is just finishing right now, as, as I'm making this video, about coming to the end of Saturn transits. So I think that's interesting too. That was part of the inspiration, if that makes sense. Um, my wife and kids have Saturn transits going on to critical things in their charts too, so that we've all been kind of going through this windmill of, of like sickness. And please don't offer unsolicited medical advice. It's really annoying, even though I love you guys. Uh, okay, so I had this profound moment of, I remembered this passage because I have this very, I have a memory for certain passages that I've read that le like really left an impression on me. Anyway, so I had a memory of this transit while my daughter was recently sick. And I was sitting up with her while she had a fever in the middle of the night. And I just, it was just dark and quiet. And I was just, I'm just exhausted by it. I'm exhausted by, you know, being up in the middle of the night, getting the wet washcloth, doing all of the things, giving the herbs, blah, blah, blah. And I just had this moment where, I'll put it this way, every time before this, for some reason, I was able to rally. And I was able to go, I, this will go away eventually. You know, you're not going to get the best of me, Saturn. You know, like that kind of attitude. And I feel like most of us ha like can draw on that. We're like, we're, we're going to be fine. We're working through it. We're getting through it. I'm in the grind. Like, it's all good. Chop wood, carry water. We get through things. We carry on, you know. I reached a, <laughs> I reached a point with all of these sicknesses where basically I was defeated. And I don't know if you know, like, what that moment is like where you just... You hit a rock bottom, and I don't mean, you know, some rock bottoms are horrendous. I mean, people, when I say rock bottom, that's probably triggering. This was just a little rock bottom, but it was a rock bottom of dealing with sickness. And as I was sitting there, I was looking out the window at the night sky, 
and I, and it was just dark, you know, and just the, the it snowed here and everything. And so it was just like that dark wintry space. And I just sat there and I, I am not like you guys know me. If you watch my channel, I advocate for Saturn all of the time. I have gone basically like a, like a musician going on tour with an album. I've gone, I've spoken literally at like groups all over the country about how we tend to get Saturn wrong. In fact, one of my rewards in the Kickstarter campaign is the Saturn you don't know. It's like, like I love advocating for Saturn because Saturn usually gets a bad rep, way too bad when in fact Saturn is often one of the most profound teachers of, of all of the planets and is deeply mystical and romantic and we often get Saturn wrong. So you guys know, if you know me at all, you know that I've always been an advocate for Saturn. So I was sitting there and I had my hand on my head and I was so tired and I'm so sick of this. And this is a Saturn is opposing my ascendant ruler for the last time after going through in Capricorn conjunction to my moon uh, or opposition to my Mercury conjunction to my moon, opposition to my sun, and now opposition for the past couple of years to my ascendant ruler. It's been like a number of years of, of Saturn. And it was completely inadvertent. I just put my hand down and I was like, Fuck you, Saturn. <laughs> it was just like that. I was like, fuck you. I'm done with you. <laughs> it is not like me. Like I'm like the last person. In fact, I kind of, I kind of make fun of people who blame the planets for things, you know, rather than trying to engage with them as teachers and friends and develop this devotional relationship with the planets and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, you're done. I don't go away. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so sick of you. <laughs> but it was a really important moment. And I, I, and then I was just, okay. It wasn't like suddenly then I was like, oh my God, I have this. I just sat there for a while and I, I just felt beat. Like you beat me, Saturn. I have no positivity left for you. Is that what you wanted? I've always tried to like advocate for you, but no, I don't like you. And I, I've reached a point where I'm done with you. <laughs> like, you did it. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, you. <laughs> so, and then I remembered this passage after I sat there feeling utterly defeated for like quite a while and exhausted with my daughter, you know, with this bad fever and it's just the accumulation of all the shit, you know? So I was like, all right. And I remembered constancy, grief, lethargy, and solitude do not mean only slowing things down or drawing things out. They are ways of experiencing the Senex essence of Kronos, Kronos, where time is a quality that verges on endlessness without process or alteration of any kind, a state of being where becoming has been crowded by the edge, crowded to the edge. In this sense, Senex consciousness is particularly temporal, structuring its visions in terms of the chronic. And I just, I remembered that passage. It was by that time I was starting to like, you know, pick myself up and I thought of that passage and it was, did not make me happy, it, you know, but I did come back to this passage and started thinking about it. And then I started looking at transits and realizing that we were reaching this very critical turning point in Saturn's cycle. And this is what led me to write this talk. <clears throat> Sometimes with what I've just 
realized about Saturn. And I've realized it, I've maybe I've even said it before, but I feel like it was the first time that I sort of experientially realized it. And there's a big difference. You know, you can read something, you'd be like, yes, that makes sense. But then when you experience it, it's like, oh yeah, it makes a different kind of sense, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so um so the little realization that I had about Saturn was that some of the most beautiful things happen when you reach Saturn's own limits. It's like when you get to that complete breakdown moment, and I think this is particularly true for people who know something about Saturn and astrology in general, and you just go like, fuck you, Saturn, I'm done. I'm done. You're. I don't like you. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever, right now, I don't know that I ever gave myself space to be bitter and disliking of Saturn. I always felt like I really needed to like defend Saturn and give Saturn, you know, a, a pass because I've had a lot of challenging Saturn experiences, but they've always, there's always been something really good, you know? And so I've, I've, I have such patience for Saturn. At this moment, I was like, Nope, I've reached my limits with Saturn, but that's actually a really, really important space to arrive at. Let me read you now the next passage. You can't get to, a, 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 I talk a lot about how the planets help us recognize eternity in our day-to-day -day lives and what a redeeming and enlightening perspective it is to have that, an eternal perspective as we walk through the world, please, you know, they all, yes, I'll take that. But part of eternity is chronic, right? Uh, because there's suffering and there's wounds and there's darkness. And so part of eternity is also about recognizing um, that with eternality comes the, the chronic nature of things, chronos and chronic. And, um, I don't think I'd ever really realized that before. I mean, again, intellectually, yes, but experientially. And it seems like a trivial thing, my kid getting a fever, but this was an accumulation. It wasn't just that. It was like this accumulation of sicknesses and just like working through lots of stuff, you know, in my in my personal life and just being like, I'm done with you, you know? And I it it, it it's as though until you have a moment of really hating Saturn, like really blaming Saturn, scapegoating Saturn, which Saturn was associated with the scapegoat in good, not so good ways, I mean. So until you get to that point where you're like blaming Saturn, cursing Saturn, hating Saturn, it's like there's something that Saturn delivers that can't come in no other way but reaching that point where you're like, fuck you, Saturn, you know? <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, okay. So um, here's something else that he writes in a chapter on negative Senex. Exile gives the imagination its power to perceive with the instruments of the Senex structure. Exile reflects the idea that human life itself is cast out of its origins in Kronos's golden age, the lost terra celesti of archetypal forms. We are each in exile, but Senex consciousness cooped in its cabin of winter desiccation bridges beyond by spatial imagination, by measure and music 
or with a dying awareness of decline, it sees through, sees out with insight. The melancholy temperament never bled nor purged, never transformed, is nonetheless satisfied by seeing to the end where impenetrable darkness is penetrated by the darkening intellect and blackened psyche of a being whose thoughts have reached the limit. <laughs> And that's where I was. I didn't have a positive philosophy to, to pull me out. I didn't, I wasn't capable of it. And, and worse, I, I felt like I actually embodied just, just bitterness and frustration and um, the, the everything that is chronic about just living, you know, and I just, I just sat there with it and I was just so drained and, no, and I, I, there were some curses there. Were, I, I said the F you Saturn, but I said a few more, <laughs> like I, I it was a little bit of a diatribe that came out of my pie hole. So I, I mean, <laughs> this is how it happened, but, uh, there's something else to be said here. <clears throat> yes. So one more. The redemptive power of Senex's contradiction is discovered by turning to the contradiction itself. The antitheses of its nature release healing insight. The insight is a function of thought, contemplation, speculation, music, mathematics, and especially imagination become the via regia. Problems are taken to their extremity where they no longer are living realities, but have become fantastic, reflecting their source in imaginal reality. The world is taken back into its logos, the end into its beginning in noose. Issues are removed from the narrowed field of personally particularized depression and expanded into a melancholic contemplation of impersonal and imaginal universals. The acedia of silence and the turning inward by refusing to blame anyone, but oneself and one's stars lead to the interior space memoria. Oh my God, that's beautiful. Okay, so let me show you a picture that came to my mind. Um, so this, as I was sitting there for a long time and just, like I said, just uh, chronic, I was in a chronic place and um, I had no answers, no solutions, no nothing of any like positive value <laughs> like, like, and no way of turning uh, the experience into anything, you know, like there was nothing to salvage. It was just stepping into this weird, uh, it, it's, it was so deep and so heavy and my despair so like accumulated, you know, that I just was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm I don't have anything. And, um, and it became sort of psychedelic. That's my point. It became sort of psychedelic because it was like, oh my God, this is um, this is an archetypal space that I'm in. And this image came to my mind just randomly. Not, I mean, I have some history with this image, which I won't go into. Like I've, this is not something I've never thought of before that just popped out of nowhere. But this image came into my mind while I was sitting there. And I was sitting there on a chair like this. You guys ever had one of those moments where you're just like, fuck. I'm sorry, I'm swearing so much today. I'm just trying to give it to you real. So this image popped into my head. This is Rodin's The Thinker. And I think that's how you say his name. And this image came into my mind. 
and it was I wasn't doing that exact pose, but it was like this. And suddenly I realized that I was entering into, I don't want to call it like suddenly it was all butterflies and rainbows. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I recognized that what I was experiencing was an archetype and that it is only able to be experienced when you get so deep into the chronic nature of something Saturnine that you just, there's no answers, you're just done and you just have to sit there in defeat. But then suddenly you sit there long enough in the chronic eternal archetypal nature of, of defeat, of having reached the limits that you have with Saturn itself, that suddenly you, you open up into a space of contemplativeness. It was not a contemplation on positive, like nice divine things. It was more like a void, but but a, a silence and a vastness. And I just, I never really got to that place before. I just really, I've had a lot of Saturn transits, but I never really got to that place before. So I wanted to share that with you guys because I think, and I, as I'm reflecting on this, of course, I have some personal Saturn transits going on that make this maybe a little bit more personal for me. But we are also reaching the end of a very long process of having Saturn in Saturn ruled signs. And so as Mars trines Saturn, you get the, the weight of the malefics starting to come together in a constructive trine. As Saturn is now direct and you're, you're going to see that Saturn before Mars and Saturn meet again, Saturn will have moved on. So it's like, the, it's like the beginning of the end of an era, and we should probably feel that as the beginning of some kind of release or relief. But where will it be? It will be in the whole sign house of Aquarius. So we're going to look at that. But five themes to watch for with Saturn changing right now, transforming. It's on the runway to leaving Pisces. What might you notice as Mars and Saturn trine? Withdrawal reaching its limits. Something that you've been moving away from because you just needed to step away from someone or something get space, get perspective. Okay. Now I'm ready to re-engage or because I took that time to withdraw, I'm, I now am clear about what I need to do. And you may notice this, you know, especially in the next couple of weeks, but then it'll play out all the way until March when Saturn shifts signs, limits reaching their limits, which means you're done. If you've placed a limit on something and you've really been strict or uh, structured with something, you may reach a point where it's starting to not feel right to be as strict or structured or disciplined with something. And now it's time to let it go. And uh, that doesn't, you know, I wouldn't suggest letting go of positive habits you've developed that are life-giving and joyful, but any place in, in your life where you've set certain limits may be reaching their limits. So watch for that. And especially in this whole sign house of Aquarius, we'll talk about in a minute, a, cl a no clarifying the yes. So right now there could be, uh, again, like um, a sense that you can't do something or you have to say no to something, but that should lead pretty shortly to a sense of what you do want to go, what you do want or where you are going next. Um, the next one is like a similar space to what I just described. I'm done. Just hitting your bottom with something. I'm done. If you're facing that, it's actually good to reach that place and sit in it for a little bit and you won't be there forever. Things keep moving. And number five, I don't like you, Saturn. <laughs> If you reach that point where you're just like, you're done with Saturn, that's because Saturn's about to be done with you. 
and move on to a different area of your life. So I hope that you enjoyed that. Now let's take a look at these places. And I'm just doing like quick keywords here. I'm not going to do an in-depth uh, analysis. So if you are an Aries sun or rising, that's the kind of horoscope you like to listen to. You're looking at that Saturn transition that's about to take place here, that, that is taking place, and probably a turn for the better, representing a long process that's been in its work in at work in your life. And that's happening in the house of friends, groups, allies, mentors. Uh, so the so larger social or professional network or uh, whether it's a religious or spiritual group you belong to, the kind of broader social dimension of your life is about to go through some very powerful changes. And it's been through a process the last couple of years. And now it's like you're on the runway to being done with that. So just, just take note of how that process is starting to uh, shift. All right, let's move along to Taurus. If you are a Taurus rising, this is happening in your career house. And so a uh, long process of... Uh, change, uh, maybe some some tedious, hard labor that's been going on, uh, greater responsibilities. But this is all taking place in your career house. And so a long, slow, and sometimes grueling process <clears throat> starting to shift around the topic of your career or your public reputation or your ambitions, something like that. So watch for the career house. <clears throat> it's going to feel nice in some ways to be like, okay, I'm done with that now. That's we're moving on to something different. You'd be feeling that in your career house as a Taurus. <clears throat> as a Gemini rising, Gemini sun, Saturn's in the ninth house. So you're on the runway uh, to to you know to to um, take off here around the topic of beliefs, religion, spirituality, education, learning, study, maybe something around foreign countries or travel. But something that you've been working on for a while is ready to be released. It's ready to be done. You're ready to be done with something. And so reaching the limits, uh, a key moment of transformation that, that has a lot of history over the past couple of years behind it with regard to beliefs, religion, spirituality, learning, um, and, and uh, generally speaking, like your like life philosophy. All right, let's move along to cancer. The limit being reached and the change coming in the eighth house, a place that binds you to other people, obligations to other people or that they have to you, and a shift in terms of who or what you want to give your time, energy, money, or resources to, or who you are receiving those things from. Uh, debts being paid off, reaching the end of a period of feeling sort of trapped and stuck by virtue of who and what you're obligated to. If you just feel like you've been stuck in patterns of having to do certain things over and over and over and feeling sort of stuck by those things, for cancers, this is a, a process that's about to conclude. You'll really feel it concluding seriously by like March, <clears throat> but you're at a turning point now where you're, you're on the home stretch and you're about to release things that have been entangling or that have represented uh, debts or contracts that have probably been kind of heavier and more duty bound. All right, let's go to Leo rising. Well, the shift is happening around relationships, love, marriage, sexuality. So a long process of learning, uh, like harder, more serious, heavier uh, season of your life around love and relationships. And you're ready to, to reap the benefits of that hard work or let go of some of the challenges. Uh, it's, a, it's a critical turning point and you should see things starting to lighten or shift uh, quite dramatically with regard to a long process that's been playing out in the house of love and relationships. <clears throat> All right. For Virgos, 
we take and we put the Saturn into the sixth house. This is like my daughter's a Virgo rising and she's the one who's been bringing one sickness home from school after another. So if you have been dealing as a Virgo rising with like sickness or challenges to physical health over and over repetitively, maybe the beginning of the end there for you, which is probably a good thing. Um, any kind of long labor, sacrificial work or service that you've been doing that has been more grueling or demanding or constricting, you've done it maybe out of the goodness of your heart or because you've needed to do it, like you know, studying and writing a master's thesis, studying for a master's degree or writing a thesis. There's a lot of hard work, labor, and sacrifice in the sixth house. You may be ready to complete something that has required a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, or you may be ready to release a period that's been marked generally by a lot of frustrations, maybe health problems, setbacks, things like that, which for Virgos should be quite relieving. Um, now, uh, for Libras, Saturn lands in the fifth house. That is the place of joy, creativity. So if you've been feeling sort of repressed, pent up, or held back with regard to love, sex, romance, or creativity, could be that you're about to reach a turning point and those things get easier. Especially with Pluto, the Lord of Death and Rebirth, about to enter that house as well. The, the hard times are over and the easier times might be coming. On the other hand, if you have been like birthing something, like carrying or, or uh, you know, developing something, a creative crystallization comes to mind. Something taking form that you've been giving a lot of, putting a lot of creative energy into over the past couple of years. Um, shifts around the topic of pleasure uh, come to mind as well in the fifth house. Repression versus a healthy relationship to pleasure and sensuality. And maybe if those have been, if that's been a challenging area of like personal work for you, spiritual work, you're, you're reaching the, you know, it's the beginning of the end right now. All right, for Scorpios, sun or rising, the turning point is happening around home, family, living environment, uh, the topic of property or uh, per parents, your mom or dad or your family karma. And there's been a, you know, a heavier, weightier um, period that you've been in for a couple of years now with Saturn in the fourth house, reaching a critical turning point right now. Um, the, the heavier work is moving toward completion. And so you can expect that some of those themes are going to be resolving themselves. And you may really feel that shift starting to happen in the weeks ahead. Um, all right. So let's go on to Sagittarians. So my Sagittarius sun and rising. It's in the third house. Uh, oftentimes, this is a place that, you know, when you have a Saturn transit in the third house, it's about a change of mind. It's about learning something. It's about becoming maybe more serious or mature in the way you think, perceive, or communicate. Um, it also can be about taking things too seriously or just having a, a, you know, a season in your life where it's, you're like more anxious or depressive. And so when you see Saturn getting ready to leave, it's now on the, the runway to like, just, I'm going to finish and, and complete my journey through Aquarius, lightness and um, a sense of, you know, uh, transformation having been accomplished is close at hand, especially with Pluto about ready to enter that house too. You might find that you're naturally back to a little lighter mood or that you naturally have matured in, in the way you think or uh, subjects that you've learned that have helped you grow up or become more skilled. And you're going to start integrating and receiving the rewards or benefits of that uh, process of intellectual um, uh, or mental growth. <clears throat> 
also if there's been any kind of heaviness around siblings that could that could also be something that's ready to uh, shift if you're a uh, capricorn rising a long slow heavy developmental period around money finances and resources is ready to shift that's probably a relief if you're finally reaching the end of a long period of getting a business off the ground or having a little bit more constraint financially. Pluto's going to enter that house after Saturn leaves. So there's some kind of transformation. And I would say, you know, things are looking upward and trending in the direction of deep uh, regenerative changes happening in that house after a heavier period with Saturn there. So that should bode well for people around money and finances, Capricorn uh, risings or sun sign, if you're listening for that. All right, well, if you're an Aquarius, this is taking place in your first house. <coughs> Excuse me. And so Saturn in the first house is going to be intimately related to your identity, body, appearance, psychology, personality, and character. You've been going through a heavier existential time for a couple of years now. You're at a really decisive turning point where it's you're about ready to complete something. Complete a period of existential, personal character development. How have I changed? And also, you might be at this point where you're kind of like, I'm reaching my limits with something within myself. I'm, I'm done with something about me. Isn't it nice to get to that space where you're kind of like, yep, I'm just done being that way. Or I'm done thinking in that way. Or I'm Even I'm done dressing or appearing in a certain way, and I'm going to make a change. This would have a lot of history behind it. And... Again, the idea is that the trine with Mars um, is marking a, a critical moment in terms of the heavier, more traditionally malefic things that may have been visiting you in terms of your mind, your body, your health, your sense of identity. And so there's you're, you're reaching a, this critical turning point and ready to evolve and transform and start reaping the benefits of all of the work that Saturn's been doing over the past couple of years. <coughs> All right, finally, Pisces, Pisces rising, puts Saturn in the 12th house. The 12th house was associated with labor. So uh, like a, a woman in labor before she gives birth. And Saturn moving from the 12th house into the first house then moves into the house associated with actual birth. So what have you been working on? What have you been gestating? What's in the process of being born and having been you know expressing itself in a relatively more unconscious or unseen place um the past couple of years have probably not been entirely easy with saturn in the 12th house that can be remote isolating distant it can bring up some of your darker and heavier patterns those things that are kind of at times self-destructive um it can bring up the feeling of being like lonely or not knowing exactly where you're going saturn changing signs here and moving into your first house is going to bring that process into visible manifestation. The next few years will be defined by you then consciously integrating the lessons that have been gestating over the past couple of years in the unconscious, now bringing them into the conscious sphere of, of awareness. And, you know, however uh, you can trying to integrate those lessons to become a more authentic version of yourself. Um, I personally would much rather have Saturn in the first than in the 12th, even though a lot of people will be like, oh, Saturn in the first, that feels heavy. Well, it feels heavy, um, but I think, you know, it's, you're about to reach a critical 
point where you can become aware of a lot of things that have been afflicting you in ways that are more unconscious. Now you can really process those things and become aware of them and then integrate and leave things behind that aren't working. And so Saturn coming into the first into my mind is going to be helpful for you. It does mark out an upcoming period of great, um, like, like you're going to have to do a lot of growing in the next couple of years with Saturn in your first house. Uh, but again, um, I think that the, it's like the baby comes into the world and then there's a lot that you have to take care of right away. There's a lot of love and TLC and care and responsibility that comes with something being born. Uh, but you're at the phase where laboring with the thing that needs to be born is about to complete, be completed. And I think that for most people is um, welcome. It's like, yes, okay, let's, like, uh, let's move to the phase where I'm not in this in-between state. Now I'm just consciously integrating things from the unconscious that I've been battling with for a few years. So that's what I've got for Pisceans. Remember, the general reason that I'm suggesting that this is such a critical turning point for Saturn is that the last time that Saturn had a... Uh, a, a meeting with Mars was a square and before that a conjunction in Aquarius. So this trine that's coming up, the fact that their next aspect, that their first one started in Aquarius and that their next one takes place after Saturn has left means that the two malefics and the kind of pressure they place on us to work and evolve and deal with heavier themes is reaching a critical and mostly positive developmental turning point that is also taking place as Saturn mows through those final degrees of Aquarius. Hope that makes sense um, and that it's applicable and interesting to all of you who were able to uh, watch this today. By the way, I want to mention to everybody, watch for scammers on Instagram. There's a few people impersonating my account right now, so don't be fooled by people DMing you, asking if you want a reading um, or whatever. Uh, you can only ever book a reading through my website, uh, which is nightlightastrology.com. Um, but even more importantly, um, you know, I just want to be sure that no one's getting taken advantage of. And uh, also, don't forget, we are on our way to 1,608 backers. Could really use your support. Pick a reward when you donate. You can find the link to the Kickstarter in the description of this video or in the comment section below. I deeply appreciate your supporting this channel and my team, my family. Uh, we love you guys very much. And it's a real privilege to be able to make content for you guys. Uh, and hopefully, we'll keep doing so for many years to come. All right. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.